Hello. Welcome to another episode of Invite the Neighbors DIY Music Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Porter. Um, this was a fucking really cool episode. Um, for those of you, this is your first time listening to the podcast. Thanks for being here. Um, just a little background. This is a... I'm a musician. My co-host, Benny, who is not on this episode, is also a musician. Um, we're in like the DIY rock punk emo scene whatever in the detroit area and this podcast is basically about a couple musicians interviewing people within the music community to sort of like showcase their personalities i mean we talk a lot about whatever this the the guests are promoting but the goal is really to just get you know show a side of people that wouldn't necessarily be shown in like your stale standard you know played out interview styles um very loose try to keep it conversational but also have a certain depth to the discussion you know i'm a silly goose but i also like to ask poignant questions and i'm I'm a genuinely curious person when it comes to the music scene like i'm full disclosure you know trying to make it as a musician myself so almost every episode you'll find me asking questions that i think would you know benefit the you know the aspiring musician but also definitely directly benefit myself to know the answers um and this guest uh lauren israel was one of the most if not the most informative episode i've had so far and definitely the biggest get in terms of guests we've had because lauren uh worked for capitol records he basically he's one of the people who discovered jimmy Eat world back in the day um which is crazy i was honestly i was like cheesing super hard the whole time i recorded this episode um i couldn't believe that <laughs> i was having this conversation with you know hearing like behind the scenes on like how bleed american was recorded or you know like when it was recorded and like what went into it and like you know hearing someone talk about jim adkins on a first name basis and knowing them from the early days when they were in just I'm pretty sure phoenix or the arizona area and bringing them to Capitol records and you know, he's had his fingers on a lot of different things like Plain White Tees, Less Than Jake, um, a lot of bigger bands that you've heard of. Um, and Lauren does music consulting. He was a record producer. He knows the industry. Um, you know, he's a fucking vet and you can tell that right away just from the way he talks, the confidence with which he speaks about these things. Um, I was definitely a student of the game, we'll say, during this episode. Um it was great. You know, I just really want to thank Lauren for coming on. Um, you know, he'll talk about it during the episode and you'll hear it, but he's promoting a, uh, a music consulting, almost like a coaching sort of uh, service that he's offering. And you'll be able to hear him talk about where you can find him. I'm pretty sure it's laurenisreal.com. Don't quote me on that. He says it in the episode, so make sure you listen through to get to that. But um essentially, yeah, I mean, for like, again, if this is your first time, we have a lot of guests that like... Pr- predominantly bands um from all over the country and lately all over the world i've had you know bands from australia britain a lot of you a lot of us a lot of michigan but also all over the place um and you know if you want your band to come on get at me invite the neighbors at gmail.com uh just know that we're generally on like a three-month delay in terms of scheduling due to demand hey humble brag but yeah we'd love to have you um that's i mean that's about it you know i personally i'm racked with anxiety on a daily basis about music uh i just finished recording my first record this year um mid pandemic with nick diener who's the shit um and i have no idea how i'm going to release it um and i'm honestly terrified so we'll see you know, I'm trying to come up with a plan for it in my head, but it's being mixed right now. And I'm trying to come up with the money to pay Nick <laughs> to finish the mixing. I still owe like 600 bucks. Um, it's not that I don't know where it's going to come from, but it's, it's just, you know, it's just, it, I'm sure a lot of people can relate basically the, the struggle of being an unknown musician, trying to make it and um, just being overwhelmed by the business aspects of it. And by, you know, not just wanting to put it out willy-nilly, 
who says willy nilly you can tell him all this fuck um but you know like wanting to have an actual plan for it and it's just kind of overwhelming you know knowing that you put all like thousands of dollars and all this time into recording something and working on something and and wanting to you know release it in such a way that really honors the amount of work that you actually put into it trying to get the most out of it and then there's the whole thing of like trying to find a band hoping the music's good enough that people want to play it since i wrote most of it myself and i mean i wrote all of it myself except for the drums and i recorded all of it except for the drums so it's like in order to play that live i gotta find people i mean i do have a drummer benny the co-host of this podcast plays drums but you know it's just I have a couple people who might want to play. We got to get that worked out, but it's just a lot. And then there's the idea of like, oh, we're, we're, and then we got to get a van if we want to go on tour. Then we got to book the tours and all this shit. So I'm not, I don't mean to complain, but you know, I just feel like people who listen to this podcast might be able to relate, know the struggle. So I'm just kind of using this as a platform to vent a little bit and, you know, other people going through the same shit. I gotcha, you know, but anyways, um, I'm going to get into the episode now because it's way more interesting than uh, the trials and tribulations of my day-to-day life. But if you want to support the podcast, um, go to patreon.com slash invite the neighbors, anything that you can give, whether it's a dollar a month even, like that would be awesome. It it goes to the cost of keeping the podcast online. Um, Twitter at ITN pod, Instagram, invite the neighbors on Facebook too, but you know, who else is if if your parents listen to this podcast let them know we're on facebook um yeah that's about it you know i appreciate you guys taking a listen please subscribe we're on spotify itunes all you know wherever we're all over the place subscribe to whatever you listen on if you're on itunes or one that allows you to give ratings please give us a five-star rating if you think that's accurate give us a review i love reading them um and you know it helps make the podcast more visible like the larger my audience gets you know the better the results will be for the people who come on and want to promote something so that's i mean it's a little it's not i'll call it not a shameless self-promotion it is self-promotion but with with the intent of um you know allowing the artist to have a larger platform i'm you know i'm trying to do this for the scene rather than just myself um if you can believe that But anyways, thank you for listening, and here is the episode with Lauren Israel. Seriously, fucking take notes during this episode, because it's a lot of great information and one of my favorite episodes. All right. Thanks, guys. I think that started working. I have have two different recording things that I use, just in case one of them uh, shits out on me. (laughs) But... um, Yeah, so I will have already recorded an intro where I kind of like read read off the email so the listeners know who you are already, even though <laughs> we haven't talked about it. But um, yeah, I was excited um, to, to I think Matt from Earshot sent you my way. And I was I was really excited to see that because uh, I'm sure you might probably hear this a lot, but like I'm a huge Jimmy World fan and you're one of those people that's tied to Bleed American. And, um, I, you know, I want to talk mostly about what you're doing now. I don't want to do too much blast from the past stuff because I'm pretty sure you're here to talk about like the music consulting stuff that you've been doing lately, but honestly, uh, honestly, Brian, you can ask me any question you want. I'm here to literally, it's not about now or yesterday, whatever you want to talk about that you think that you're interested in that you think others are interested in. Don't worry about anyone's agenda. It's, um, uh, it's just, I'm, as I said, I am just pleased to be here. And frankly, I'm pleased, um, to, to have a forum to maybe inspire people. Um, as I, I, I do have a point of view. Um, so maybe we get into that maybe we don't, or maybe I kind of talk about it as I've talked about, my um my manifesto if you will for all my yeah. artists um yeah don't worry about it dude just just ask away it doesn't i don't need to you don't need to talk about anything current it's all good awesome well i definitely i probably will get into it anyways but i guess uh, it's great to hear you say that one and i guess i'll give you sort of the the um the modus operandi of the podcast here so like i i started it because I'm one, I'm a musician and I wanted to make, you know, connections 
in the music industry, but I'm, I'm kind of like a shy person and I'm not, I don't go to a million shows if, that I'm not playing and, you know, and, and network that way. And, but I was still fascinated by people in the music scene. And so it started off just interviewing a bunch of local bands, but then, you know, I, I really wanted to show because there's so much, this is why you're the perfect guest for this podcast, because there's so many people that are more than just the band that without those people, those bands, you would never hear of them. Um, or you would, you know, a band releases a new record and, you know, it, it's, it's great, but you don't hear a whole lot unless you're like a music nerd like me. You don't really look into who the producer was or you don't know who did the album art or did their, their promotional stuff. So I, I like to do like interviews with those people too, to just show that, like the, the full expanse that is the music industry. Um, so yeah, it's great to have you on to kind of, cause you are, um, a producer, you know, and I guess the first question I was, con- I read in the email that you helped develop Jimmy Eat world when they were, uh, you know, when they made bleed American, which was kind of like their breakout record. And when I read you helped develop them, I'm just curious. And then a, a bunch of other bands, like I think less than Jake was one of them. And when it says that you developed them, what what all does that mean? Like, what was your role with those acts? Well, development means going from zero to multi, multi-million selling success. That's what development means. And for me, and um, my perspective is um, I make a living doing music. And that's if someone's in my orbit, if someone wants to work with me, I assume that's what they want. So development means I found Jimmy World. I was a uh, intern at Capitol Records at the time. Um, I brought them to Capitol and we developed them from, you know, they were playing in their bedroom. I, that's where we first saw them. They uh, they just, they, they had a, um, a great uh, uh, split seven inch, EP with um, Christy Front Drive. I think they may have, they were putting out their first record that Tom, the guitar player, was singing on for the most part. Um, And they didn't really have a demand for tickets. They didn't really have a demand for any kind of record sales. They didn't have a demand for any kind of merchandise. That's what what we did, you know, me and Craig Aronson and a few people at, at Capitol. We, you know, we generated a, a little bit of uh of a fan base at the company uh we put out clarity um put out static prevails i was involved in both those records um they got dropped uh uh jim jim and zach got on the phone with me i'll never forget it and they said what should we do i think uh without you know without putting words into zach's mouth i think he said he was thinking about managing uh Jim Atkins, Atkins, Atkins as a uh, like a producer songwriter. I said no, 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 no. I said Mark Trombino is in a stride. Uh, we must make a full length record, and it must be excellent. I said I have the studio. Um, it's going to be at Hard Drive uh, with with my one of my best friends who owns a studio, Doug Messenger. Um, let's get Mark to produce it. Uh, let's do it either free of charge or with the money you have in singles with all your merch sales. Let's, let's make a number one record. Oh, someone there. Yep. Yep. I'm here. Oh, something's going on. Are you just taking a break? Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. Someone's coming up there. Um, so, uh, so, we made Bleed American. So by development, it's truly my, what I've done with Neon Trees, with Plain White Tees, with Jimmy World, currently with the band called The Unlikely Candidates, who had a number one record this, this year uh, called Novocaine, and you know several others. It's literally going from zero to a multi-million dollar business. Um, and that's not for everybody, you know, that's not a responsibility that a lot of artists, um, really want to take on, but that's what I do. That's what I mean by development. That's yeah. I, I so what I'm wondering now, cause a lot of, a lot of these questions, I'll preface it again. A lot of the questions I ask on this podcast are from the perspective again of, 
of a musician. Like I just finished my first record and I haven't released it yet because it's still being mixed. So I finished recording and a lot of the listeners are in DIY bands. And so I ask a lot of questions from that perspective, trying to, to gain insight on like for the, for those of us who are really trying to make it quote unquote. And like you said, go from zero to like household names, if you know, in best case scenario, um, I'm curious. And I think a lot of listeners would be too, like, is it possible in today's age? Because, you know, that was like mid to late nineties when, when Jimmy world was kind of coming up and is it still possible to, for a band to be discovered in the, in their infancy, a a record label like capital and if it's not like how has the process changed in from how it was then to like how it is in the modern day well so i'm going to answer it this way a broken clock is right twice a day that doesn't mean the broken clock is right or fixed or works so what i'm going to tell you is a an opinion based on not only experience, but mostly failures. Furthermore, it's, it's repeatable. Uh, I don't know too many people that have been able to repeat the amount of number one songs that I've been involved with at, at Alternative Radio. Having said that, there's a certain responsibility an artist must take if in fact they say they want to quote unquote make a living doing music, I would assume that that goal in the year 2021 is pretty much the same goal as I had in the year 1991. So let's assume that. So in my opinion, it's hella easier now than it was in 1991. There is less competition. There are fewer gatekeepers. And all the information is in front of you on a a computer screen or on an Android or on some kind of tablet. Yeah. Now, having said that, Let's say I don't know what you do for money, Brian. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take it this way. I'm gonna say, okay, my um, my grandfather, okay, was a uh, a foot doctor. So my grandfather, what he had to do, he had to open up a practice. And he had to let people know he was a foot doctor and available to them. If he opened up that, that, that foot place where people got their feet taken care of, don't ask me how (laughs) he could open that up, put all of his instruments there, all, all the accoutrements, rent, utilities, equipment, maybe tens of thousands of dollars, maybe more, maybe less. But if he didn't let people know that he is there, what happens? Nobody shows up. Okay. That's, that is across the board. Across the board. Whether you own a flower store, whether you're a, uh, a nanny, whether you're a lawyer, my wife's a lawyer, uh, whether you're a, a, a record producer. You know, I'm on here, Brian. Because I want your, the people that you speak to or your community to know that I exist. And if they right. ever, and if they ever want to win in a big way, maybe we can have that discussion. I'm available to them. Okay. Now someone walks in to, let's say my grandfather's um, podiatry office. If it looks like a homeless person lives there, what's going to happen? Right. They're going to leave. Right. Okay. Okay. Now hear me out. The absolute most important thing that you must have in order to have a fan base is not 
not T-shirts, not fucking trucker hats, not <laughs> buckles, not, not, you know, mugs. You must have songs that people can shake their ass to, that can they can sing along to, and that changes their state. Let me say Makes those- them feel something. Fuck yes. They it needs to it needs for me to go in my old jalopy. I have a 1987 420 SEL. That's another story. My <laughs> wife seriously, it's literally like a Christmas float. I swear to God. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so so I need to be able to go from slow to fast. Right? It the song makes me go faster. Or yeah. the song makes me feel sad. Or the song goes from whatever. It needs to change my state. I need to be able to sing along to it. And I need to be able to shake my ass. Now, that is what every business in the world does. I know this because I've done my research on all of this. Trust me, dude. I've done more research on, on the science and the history of of being a successful artist anyone you know and the truth of the matter is just like coca-cola needs to do r&d so that when they come out with coca-cola zero with orange flavor in it they know that there's a market for that they know that people are going to like it why oh why oh why do we assume and i'm a musician I did the same thing y'all did when I was 18, 20, 21. I did it. Why do we assume that just because we want to put out a record or a song that we think it's going to get met with an applause when we don't even know what a hit song or a great song truly, truly feels like or looks like? Well, even then, like once you figure out like the science behind that, then you have to balance it. Like you have to know how to do that, but then also do that in a way that feels genuine. So you have to like translate your feelings into something that resonates with more than just you. You know what I mean? Because there's definitely arts out there where it's just like cookie cutter and it's, you know, it, it, it might fit the formula on how to get on the radio, but it doesn't make you feel anything either. So I think it's really important to me to like understand the science of it, kind of be a student of the industry, but then also stay true to like what you're trying to express. You know what I mean? Like I hear that a lot. I hear that a lot. Right. I hear that. Okay. You know, um, certainly there are patterns and there are consistencies and some call it a science, some call it rules. It's, it's pejorative. Okay. And I get it. And I get what you're saying. But if you can't get past understanding the patterns, the consistencies, the rules, you will never find the artistry. And if you're all art and no show, then you're just going to have a few fans. You're my four year old, you know, and my wife will be my fans. If I don't, if I don't learn, learn the patterns, learn the consistencies, learn what the science is, incorporate them do them consistently and then try to make them even better to break the rules. But 99.9% of musicians, frankly, don't take the proper time to make sure the product that they're going to record. Okay. Let's, let's take a perfect example. I'm a producer, right? So I would assume that to record a song that has the potential of selling a million streams. Okay. Mm-hmm. I would assume cost between 500 and $5,000. Can we agree on that? Yeah. Okay. With that said, we all know that we all as musicians have a limited amount of money we can spend. Why do we spend that money when we don't even know that the song is even in the ballpark? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I completely get that. And I think that's where a good producer such as yourself can come in. And I've talked 
with bands before on this podcast about, you know, different style songwriting styles and then also different styles within the studio because I'm the type of person that takes a very hands-on approach in production. Like I kind of have like a, a production mindset. I just don't know how to do engineering. But at the same time, any any band, I feel like you have to there has to be a certain level of ego shedding to where you're not so controlling over the product that you're not willing to listen to good advice and listen to someone such as yourself who you know is has been there and knows what to do and like because a lot of people they they view their songs as their babies you know and they don't want to change anything and really you're your own worst enemy at that point i feel like well okay so let's let's take let's take what you said right so again there are certain responsibilities if you want to have a big audience and you want to make a living doing this. If, if you put your ego or your self-esteem or your emotions on every, in every song you, you write, the responsibility is then shirked by virtue of your short-sightedness. And no, there's no, nothing a producer can do. There's nothing marketing can do or promotion or shopping or record labels can do if they don't have a product other people love. It's, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable how so many people spend so much time hand-wringing about their own... Their, they all... Um, I had a meeting with the uh, very famous Rob Cavallo and we were talking about a band um, who had to make a record, I think three times. And uh, Rob said, my job wasn't to produce. My job was to make sure that the gun they're pointing to their head pointed to my feet. Um, and he was kind of dead serious, you know, like, yeah. You know, so it happens to all, all artists and um, there's only so much we can do. You know, like Rob said, like, I'm like, dude, like you've done so many big records with this particular, you know, people like, and it's still the edge of disaster every time he goes. Absolutely, dude. Absolutely. So the perspective is, is I try, I try to inspire, teach, mentor my artists to be prolific, to be, to, to follow what I like to call the Lauren Israel manifesto, uh, which <laughs> sounds horrible. It just sounds horrible. Trust me. I get it. That's great, and, though. <laughs> and to try to take their emotions out of it, because you're right. It's uh, that's, that's the biggest, the biggest hurdle. And that's a hurdle that none of us on the outside can help. You know? Yeah. No See, I, I feel fortunate because the way I kind of approach songwriting is, and you may have heard this before, it's not an original idea, but I think the reason it's not an original idea is because it's a universal, somewhat universal concept. So like when I go to write a song, the best, the best stuff doesn't feel like I worked that hard on it, at least the original idea. A lot of it feels the best ideas just kind of come out of nowhere so that it's not like I'm laboring over these songs for hours and hours and hours usually like that comes afterwards so it's like my favorite ideas come to me kind of in a flash so that afterwards they don't necessarily even feel a hundred percent mine so i'm happy to like take as long as i this is people i trust but i'm happy to take advice and you know like from a producer or a friend or anything like that on how it could be better because i don't you have to take your ego out of it but also i feel like you have to take a little bit of ownership out of it because you know and you can give me your opinion on this too but i feel like you even as an artist like you only own so much of what you produce because especially with music like the audience kind of owns it as well in terms of how it's going to be received how it's interpreted what it even means so like you can, your song can mean one thing to you but if it means something else to someone else does it not mean that uh, of course it does of course it means that even if you didn't intend it you know, that, you know, that, that's a beautiful concept. And you're right. You know, music, music is a uh, is a medium that needs someone to listen and feel um, doing music in a bubble doesn't mean Jack. 
And so it's incumbent upon me to share a universal feeling so other people can feel. It's a good point. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's that's one of my favorite things about it. Like, honestly, I, I want to be a musician so bad. And, you know, this is just a brief aside, but I, I definitely will. <laughs> I may very well. You're talking to someone who very well fits the profile of potential client of yours. So I'll discuss that with you some other time. But I, I just I love music so much because, one, it it's the thing that comes easiest. You know, I feel like I don't have to work hard at it in order to have a baseline level of appreciation and, and joy from it. You know what I mean? And it, when I do put the work in, it just, it's the most rewarding experience. You know, like it's the most, it, I, I can't think of anything else that even comes close to it, you know? So the idea that I could make a living at it just seems awesome. But anyways, <laughs> I wanted to, um, one of the things I read in that initial email uh, that Matt from Earshot, shout out to Matt, sent was, um, you stress the importance of pre-production and that was a, a some, something that i mean I, I mentioned i just finished tracking my first record it was a nightmare in terms of like my drummer quit before recording so it, i literally recorded guitars first because i already had the recording time slotted and i didn't really do any pre-productions and as a result i spent a lot more time in the studio you know spending more money and you know, just spending more time, which turned out to be okay. Fortunately, I had a job that I could finance it, but um, it all worked out. But when it comes to pre-production, what kind of advice would you give to a band that's like maybe a year and a half ago? What would what advice would you have given me in terms of like what are the do's and don'ts of of pre-production? Uh, good point. Um, what I would do, given the fact that there are people out there that can and will help you and you should offer them anywhere between a burrito and a billion dollars to do so um get your songs get to get your songs to where they're amazing if you're going to ask someone to listen to their song either pay them take them out for coffee uh give them a hug i don't know what it is but but be reciprocal and truly take one person whether it be the producer that you love, um, a manager, someone who knows music, who can help you when, when the song is literally just being written, whether it be on a guitar, piano, whatever it is, and say, hey, I need to do. Now, that's what I'm an expert in. So maybe there are experts in other th- in, in maybe there are the experts who do that. I don't know. Okay. So... Firstly, you have to have a song that's good. That's obviously subjective, right? So that's where that's where the marriage or what we call what old school A&R people call the casting of a record. I know the casting of a record. So that's a big, big deal. Like for me, Lauren. When I have a song that I need to get listened to, I have a very, very short list, maybe one or two people. Hey, dude, what do you think? One or two people. Um, Some people have more. But the first thing you must do is you must, the song must be excellent. Just in its, in its, in its bare, in its, in its uh, skeleton form. The next thing is, is you have to identify who your audience is. Who do you sing for? Uh, some, some people would say, okay, so who would you go on tour with, right? So let's say you would go on tour with Lindsey Sterling, or let's say you go on tour with Phoebe Bridges, or if you're a whack job, maybe you go on tour with a hundred Gex, or maybe you go on tour with uh, the unlikely candidates. And you look at that landscape and you say, okay, how, how are these songs produced? And what you do is you cast by looking at who produced those songs. And you may want to call some, call that guy up, email that guy and say, Hey, I already, I have a song. I want you to produce it. Then you find your producer and you say, you know, how would we do this? And 
the pre-production process. So to answer to answer your question very directly, the pre-production process starts with the formation of a fantastic song. And it goes until it's mastered throughout the whole process. Gotcha. And I think too, one of the points you made was like having people check it out and give you pointers and things on it. And when it's kind of in its infancy and I, I, a light bulb kind of went off in my head and where I was like, yeah, you know, like the earlier, the better, because that speaking to something I had said previously, like the sooner you do it, the less chances, I mean, the less likely it is that you're going to become too attached to it to want to change it down the road because you could become really attached to a pile of shit. If you've been playing it the same way for a year. And then you try to take it to a producer. Then you take it. You know what I mean? Like, you can become so attached to things. I mean, it's just like being in a bad relationship or something. Like, you, you, you've you gone blind to it. Like, you've been in it so long that you think that's the thing, and you, you can't see how it could possibly be better. And you almost, like, you develop the sense of ownership over it when you that, you know, prevents you from being able to see that, wow, this could be better you know this this could be a lot better than how it is right now so in my opinion perhaps a false sense of security a false sense of really knowing if the song is any good and then let's go down the list now you've spent, you've you, we've already established you're going to spend at least between 500 and 5000 dollars uh recording it and you know i don't know about you but i don't want to spend 5000 dollars or 500 dollars recording a song it isn't that good. Right. No, I, I hear you. Um, so kind of jumping topics here a little bit, but I'm just, you know, I'm really interested in, you know, especially talking to you because you've, you've seen it. You've seen the progression of how the music industry has changed um, since, you know, like the early nineties to now. And like, obviously there's going to be a lot and I'm sure there's a lot of similarities too. But one of the things I'm a, I'm an album type of guy. OK, so like I know that singles are really popular and I'm the type, you know, where I really love to sit down and listen to a full record. And now when, when you're advising bands and things like that, do you still feel like there's uh, like albums have like their place? Do you think it's more practical to release just a single here and there? In my opinion, especially with COVID-19. It's the most, it's the stupidest thing anyone could do is consider putting out a record if they're not going to tour. Yeah. It's literally, uh, you know, no offense, dude, but if you and your buddy want to put out records, you and your buddy are the only ones that are going to be listening to it. I mean, I'm just trying to be totally honest. Like, for sure. The vast majority of people do not have the time to sit there and listen to an artist who frankly, they don't even have a relationship with, listen to a full length. And bands, you know, there's, yes, there are those three fans or there are 30 fans that may say, oh, I can't wait for your record and blah, blah, blah. But we know the mathematics. We know that we know that most people listen to one or two or three songs off a record. And especially if you're not touring, um, the, there's no reason to put out a record. It's way too expensive. It's way too difficult to actually market and promote. It's much easier to focus on a single every three to six weeks and build. So, uh, you know, I don't want to be disrespectful, but. No, not. You know, I like listening to a record just like the last guy, but just like everyone, I don't have the time to sit there and listen to a record. I mean, and think about it, right? Okay, let's really, really, really do the math. If you're talking about, again, you're, I'm not, I don't own a record store. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I don't have a vinyl collection. I do have a vinyl collection, but it's, it's been in storage for 25 years. Um, <laughs> listen to songs, right? I love songs that change my state. And when a song changes my state, I listen to it over and over and over and over and over and over. Yep. And that, that has been the case 
music since the 50s. In terms, again, in terms of a big, wide, popular audience. And that's my perspective. And when you talk about, you know, album listeners, I guess, yeah, I know one of my friends likes to listen to his, his Stones records. And this lunatic has, has every single Stones record in mono and in stereo. And don't get me started with this. <laughs> I get it. You know, wow. I get it. But, but that's like, that's like saying, I want to build a business, you know, I don't know, based on, you know, selling ice. I don't know. It sounds really difficult to me. Yeah. Now, see, I asked that question because I think that what I'm trying to do with, with my own record. And I think that if, if anyone listening to this thinks this is a good idea, by no means do I feel like this is my idea and anyone who tries to do the same thing as copycat, you know, I'm very much like there's, my of the opinion that there's room for everybody at the table of success you know anyone who wants to work hard enough and and put out good stuff you know there's always going to be a demand for more so let me just preface it by saying that but in terms of like the single versus the record thing i think i wanted to do an ep and release it as a collection like a, a single after single and so there will be like i'll release like maybe three of the three or four of the five songs as singles, like in succession. And then if you like them, if you're the type that lis- prefers like the full record experience, like when you buy the record, there's the singles, but then there's like a lot of interludes and there's like, you know, like really cool, like, you know, like intros and outros that are not on the single edits that like, you know, kind of give you the best of the both worlds. Like if you just want the singles, they'll be there. You can have it. But if you like the record experience, you'll get a little bit more. You know what I mean? You'll get rewarded, I guess, in a sense for for doing that. But I think you kind of have to be, I mean, if it were up to me, I would just release records and records and records because that's what I love. But I feel like you have to, again, like you have to kind of play by the rules of the day. You know what I mean? Like, you, you, I mean, you, you said it, like people don't have time to consume records, especially if they don't have a relationship with you. Like, unless you're like really famous already, you know, I'm a surfer, right? Surfer magazine just shuttered its doors. Surfer magazine. I used to love, I used to love picking up surfer magazine and reading it. Yeah. Now, in 2021, that's a thing of the past, right? That's that's a nostalgic idea to pick up the LA Times or to pick up Surfer Magazine or to pick up Spin or to I remember I was a big fan of Interview Magazine and going back in time in the in the late 70s early 80s Flipside Magazine and and uh, all the fanzines I used to used to used to you know listen to Maximum Rock and Roll right and if yeah. I told you if I told you you know Brian I love I love um, reading Flipside magazine, and uh, instead of putting out one article, I'm going to publish my magazine. I'm going I'm to put out a thousand uh, different, you know, magazines, and I'm going to try to sell it, you know, fifty cents or whatever, whatever it's worth. I think you would call me a schmuck because it's it's so much easier to do it in a different way. So what I'm saying to you is, yes, there's a certain nostalgia to what you're talking about, but perhaps to get more people to listen to what your, to what your themes are, to who you are. I mean, essentially the greatest gift in music is not, is not the, 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 um, the um, the in betweens, right? It's actually how vulnerable you're you're making me feel, right? So, right. I don't know, man. I, I think it's rather nostalgic and rather um, indulgent to not. I be, agree. To okay, thank you, and to not yeah. be in the moment to think about. Oh shit, man! I, I I miss opening up the L.A. Times or the New York Times. Right. See, that's what I'm saying. Like you can, you can still have the record for the people who want it, but 
and you have to be smart. Like if you really, really want to make it and you're not Radiohead and you can just do whatever the fuck you want, you know, like you, you have to be smart. Like I said, you have to release and market as if it's 2020, 2021 and not, you know, and you can, people, like I said, you can sell your vinyl records. People still want that shit. Like there's been an uptick in like tape sales. Like people have been selling tapes, but do people actually pop in the tape to listen to it? I have no idea. But I know they, they like it. I um I have a cassette player in my 1986 420 SEL. And if you want to send me your crappy bands in, I'd be happy to listen to them in my cassette player. <laughs> 1986 420 SEL. Oh, God. That's Fun. awesome. Funny. <laughs> Funny. I'm... I, so I'm also curious about, um, you know, we talked a lot about like the, the, like the music itself side of things, but you know, how much do you think image is important? Like, do you, do you encourage people to create, like cultivate a certain image or are you just all about like be yourself type of thing? Or what do you think, what image, what role do you feel like image plays today? Okay. Okay. So I'm going to answer it this way and forgive me, um, but, you know, I did play in bands. I was rather successful in playing bands. I toured the country, got record deals, etc. So let's say I have a toothache and I go to, I, it's killing me. I walk down the block I walk into the local dentist and that dentist has a beard and has a leather cut that says Hell's Angels on it. And he literally has, you know, rings on every one of his fingers, but his name is Dr. Feinstein DDS, right? (laughs) The same is true, dude, with anything. You know, the truth of the matter whether you, you, we can debate this, we can have arguments about it, whatever you want to call it. But if you're going to be successful at the highest levels, we buy with our eyes. There's a reason why the Kardashians rule the, rule the world. There couldn't be anything, uns- lack of substance of the, of the Kardashians. There's zero. Like, it's the right. most disgusting thing in the world. But for a lot of people, that... That helps. So we buy with our eyes. So when I say, when, when you talk about image, okay, it's just another subset of the entire package. Coca-Cola, right? Um, it has to taste good. It has to look good. It has to smell good. It has to, I have to hear it, right? When I open it up, it goes poof, right? It's everything. The same thing with a fucking song. The artwork needs to be bitching. The video needs to fit and be bitching and captivating. The sonics need to be bitching and cool and captivating and, and exciting. I mean, that's it, man. So, yeah. And again, I, I agree. <laughs> if you want to play down at the local bar and and not do it at the highest levels, that's cool. I don't think it's that important. You can be, you could literally probably sit, be six hundred pounds, sit on a chair and play blues, and there'd be ten people in the audience drinking brew and singing, you know, Joel, John Coltrane songs. I guess whatever. <laughs> but if you want to do it at the highest levels. Everything counts. Everything. Yeah. No, and I, I think, too, for anyone, like, hearing this, because I'm completely on board with everything you're saying, but for anybody listening to this and thinking that, like, that's too vain or, like, that's somehow, like, associated, because I feel like sometimes people associate that sort of thing with, like, selling out or, you know, you're, like, changing. Like, you can do these things and still maintain yourself. You just have to put effort into it. Like, you can cultivate an image without you know, straying from who you are. You know what I mean? I feel like the goal is to find 
for me anyways, what I do and I try to think about how I want to dress on stage and like, cause it's definitely, it's, I take what I like already about myself or my style or whatever. And I try to think like how, what's the furthest I can embellish this to the point where it's not clownish. You know what I mean? How like where to where it's still believable and where it's still like accessible to people. So like you can do that. You can, you know, just take the traits that you already like by yourself and just push them to the max instead of becoming something fake. You know what I mean? I think that's something that people don't think about a lot. You know, I think they feel like any change is just like not being true to yourself. But you can you can change and still be true to yourself. You know what I mean? <sighs> so that's just something I thought was semi-interesting. But um Another thing that I was kind of curious about was uh, I read that you were that you said songwriting is a a war, <laughs> a fun war. But I was just kind of curious. That was just like an interesting phrase. And I was just curious what you kind of meant by that. Well, it's filled with ups and downs. It's filled with battles, 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 battles. You're battling your own um, sense of procrastination. You're battling your own sense of ideas and creativity and, and, and musicality and, and, and structure and, you know, outside influences like your job and your girlfriend or boyfriend or, you know, all sorts of things, man. Because, okay. you know, if, if you're making music like, like I am, kind of like a mistress or it's kind of like a disease you can't get rid of it you know it's something that occupies your body that you, you just can't get rid of and you've tried to shirk it but you can't because it it's it's just kind of a disease i i understand that entirely uh, to be honest like i uh i tell people that you know because obviously making it in music is from the outside looking in and probably just in general, it seems like one of the hardest things you could possibly do. It seems like a pipe dream, no matter how good you are, like, you know, telling someone like matter of factly, like I often do that, like, yeah, I, I work this job now, but I really just want to be a musician. And that's my plan. You know, they'll look at you like, okay, good luck, buddy. But like, it is kind of like a sickness in a way. Like I feel like I'm incapable of being happy unless I'm doing that. It, if I never ever make it, I it won't be because I stopped trying. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's, it's hard to explain to people that like aren't in it, or, or or they don't. It doesn't have to be music, but some some people they just don't have a passion. They just have a job, you know. And if if you have a passion, but your job is not your passion, you'll do it. It feels like you'll do anything. You know what I mean? To kind of combine the two. And when you're not there, it's just, it's, it's agonizing. And so I saw that you, in that email that you got into music when you were 15. So has it been all music since then? Or like, when were you able to like make it your uh, full-time gig? Oh God. I mean, you know, I was, I was well into my late twenties before um, I got a, uh, um, a real job at it. I mean, I, I, I toured, I was in, I was in bands. I got a record deal. I got a publishing deal. I went back to school. I got a degree. I had, I had six jobs cause I had to put myself through school and I couldn't get rid. I couldn't shirk music. I couldn't, I couldn't not do it uh, for whatever reason, you know, I don't know. Um, I, and there was a lot of battles, dude. I mean, I had, it was, it was, it was, it, you know, it, thinking, I mean, very difficult. At one point, um, one point I sought help. I had to ask uh, a professional, like, I know I'm really good at this, but I'm really not that good at not being myself. They're, you know, people mm. are asking me things and they're not really asking me things. They're, they want me to to tell them what they want me, what they want me to tell them. And it's something I don't understand. I mean, I'm, I used to work at a surf shop for 10 years. I went to college. I got a, I got a degree in psychobiology. I had no idea about the politics of the music business. 
and um, so there was the battles. Even now, there are battles. Brian, if if I told you some of the stuff that I went through that I currently have to go through, it would blow your mind. It would blow your mind. Having mm. said that, um, I'm today as equally excited about my artists sending me material than I've ever been. Every day I wake up saying, fuck, today's gonna be the day when I'm gonna be blown away with a great song. 100%. Yeah. 100%. And that's what drives me. Uh, furthermore, what drives me is the fact that I, I feel as though I'm helping people, writers, artists, achieve their goals. I feel, I feel useful. Um, and that's a big thing for me. You know, I have to be able to feel useful. It's not enough Definitely. just just to to do it for you know money or or whatever it's that's I, you could do a lot of other things for that but i i'm i i have a i have a, a desire to be useful because i wish there were more people like me who tell artists that it doesn't need to be all that mysterious that the music business or success in the music business shouldn't be this weird mysterious dream that there are a lot of people dumber than you uh, <laughs> yeah that are doing it um yeah i i look at it too like if, if them if if they can do it why can't i you know what i mean someone's got to do it someone's gonna make it like why why not me like there's it's not reinventing the wheel here like you know it's there's you kind of mentioned something like this before when you were talking about like if you hear a song you like you can figure out how they produced it or whatever but you can kind of look at any successful artist and kind of look at their wikipedia page or whatever and just kind of reverse engineer how they got to where they are and then just try to follow that path for yourself and better yet there's been so many different avenues to success that you can kind of compile a bunch of different paths that a bunch of different artists that you admire have taken and with all that, sorry if I cut out there for a second, but well, you're 100% correct. And by the way, do you think being successful at anything else is different than that? Look at, no, I think been successful and, and mirror what that person has done, learn how that person's done. And then you can do it in your own way. Isn't that what I've just, isn't that essentially what I'm doing? Like, yeah. literally, like, it's not that hard. You don't need, you don't need to be a Phi Beta Kappa. You don't need to be a valedictorian. You don't need to be a Harvard grad. What you must do is have the indomitable spirit and the will and the drive to adapt and be smart and take responsibility for what you say you want. And that, my friend. Yeah is the hardest part. It's not the music business. Cause there are, cause you're, you're comp look around. I mean, go to, <laughs> dude, go to the, what, what city are you in Brian? Uh, Detroit. Okay. Okay. Go in Detroit, go to the local um, rehearsal studio where all the bands, all the bands play. That's your, your competition. They're like literally yeah. Neanderthals in there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's funny. No, I mean, I, I have the same thought. Like, honestly, going to shows before I had this podcast and I didn't really know anybody, it was so frustrating because, I mean, no disrespect to anyone, but like, I would see these bands playing like these big shows and I'm like, dude, I'm better than this. Like, I should be doing this. And then I was okay. like, oh, wait, I can do this. <laughs> right. But check this out. If they're a big band, done something that you haven't yes they've done something that you haven't you won't you can't or you refuse or you refuse to check that out yeah that, that index finger all the way to your thumb you refuse to you won't you can't 
you don't want to. I think those, the everything like the bigger, like I think the can't is the smallest of those. You know what I bingo. mean? Bingo, 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 bingo. Yeah, I, I think that I, th- I was. It's interesting. I was talking to people on Reddit about this the other day, actually, because I'm, I'm hungry for advice. I'm hungry for information. I was posting about it, just asking for advice on a first record release, and well, there's a lot of negative people saying that like you'll likely be a nobody forever and, and things of that nature. And I, I really think that people who are just consistently negative about that are people who have already given up on their dream to do it. And so they all they want to do is put out this information or this idea that it's impossible and you might as well just give up because maybe they've given up. But if you really want something like you can't accept that, like like we keep saying this, but it, it's not just music. Like if you really want something like don't accept the possibility of it not happening, like obviously it might not. But like you can't think that way, I feel like. Um. But I, I wanted to uh, before we usually go about an hour, but you know it's not it's not set in stone. So, but before I, I wrap up, I, I just wanted to talk a little bit about like what you're doing now because I know I'm interested. I as be- becoming like a potential client, and I'm sure people listening would be as well. And just a few questions about it. My first one that I was thinking of is like, how do you? do people just send you songs and you say like, okay, I would work with you on this or like what, what's kind of like the selection process or like what, how do you get connected? How do artists connect with you? Well, um, I, my email is out there. Um, it's very easily available. It's Lauren Israel at Gmail. All you got to do is, uh, is email me and I'll email you back. Um, there are a couple pet peeves. Uh, don't write too many words. Ask me exactly what you want me to do. And I'll tell you if I can, um, and how, how we can do it. Um, that's why, that's why I'm around because I want to help people. I'm not for free. Uh, I won't work for any bands for free, but I'm not that expensive. Um, the criteria for me is. A, do I understand the music? B, can I actually impact your music in a beneficial way? And three, can we work together harmoniously? But the first two are most important. Do I understand what you're doing? And can I be useful? And and then are you, should an artist hit you up at what stage or at any stage? Well, okay, so they can go through. I have a uh, an artist development program that is uh, that you can go to my website and take a look at. I also produce records. Um, I do that very rarely because it's so much time. Um, but uh, I do produce records. Um, I try to do that. I have a lot of people asking me, and I I usually. Um, you know, it just, it just depends. Right. Um, I also help my artists with some marketing and, and, uh, and stuff like that. So at whatever stage you as an artist are in, there is no doubt I can help you. However, um, I'm not everyone's cup of Java. Um, I'm not here to pat you on the back and be your best friend. I'm interested in my artist being successful. So I want my artist to allow me to be honest and straightforward and the, and the back and forth be as easy as possible so that we can get work done. I'm not here to send the phone with you and, and discuss your problems or the reason why you can't do something you said you were going to do, you know, let's get some work done. And so do you, you work virtually with people too. So I, I assume location is not going to be a uh, prohibiting factor. Oh yeah. I mean, most of the songs you've heard that are number ones lately have been virtual, you know? Um, um, yeah. Uh, that's wonderful. My, my, my productions are my, the most fun thing, although it takes the most time we do all that virtually. I do all my consultations 
conversations over the phone, the uh, via text and email. Yes. Awesome. Well, I th I think you know people can go to laurenisrael.com uh, to check check you out and everything. Um, and like you said, laurenisrael at gmail. I will definitely be hitting you up at some point because I probably specifically for marketing stuff, because once I get this record finished, I, I really want to release it the smartest way possible. So we'll get into that later, but I just really want to thank you for coming on. This has been one of the best episodes, but the most enjoyable informative episodes that I've done of this podcast. Uh, I think it's going to be really well received by, by the listeners, especially the other musicians who listen to this podcast. So I, I think you did what you set out to do in terms of wanting to inspire people. I definitely feel inspired by a lot of what you said. Um, kind of like affirmed some beliefs I've had and also kind of given me some new perspective on things. So I really appreciate it. And, you know, maybe down the road, we could have you back on because I, I really, I really enjoyed hearing what you have to say about this stuff. Awesome. Well, thank you, Brian. I look forward to hearing from anyone and, uh, you were great. Uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks. Cool. Thank you. Bye. Later. There you have it. That's another episode. Um, in the books if this is your first time listening i hope you enjoyed it hopefully you'll be back for another one um our entire archives are on spotify itunes apple Podcasts, whatever you want to call it um yeah so thank you for listening again we're on twitter at itn pod instagram invite the neighbors share this episode with your friends tell a friend about it i i mean i really appreciate it really trying to grow this thing so your support means everything. Shoot us a DM on Instagram or Twitter if you liked it. If you just want to talk about the podcast or nerd out or if you have any suggestions, I appreciate all that. Um, is anyone even listening at this point? All right. Thank you, guys. Love you in a way, I guess. Appreciate you. Anyways. All right. Have a good one. Be safe.